the, um, what these parami words refer to, the quality of parami. It's uh, <laughs> parami is something that gives the sense of something extends, furthers, grows, uh, and crosses. So it's like a transcending quality, something that uh, starts, is initiated, swells, grows, and crosses over. So it crosses over from the field of, you know, dukkha and confusion into the transcendent, the Dhamma uh, planes, the Dhamma domains. So... This is the kind of language structures that are used almost, you know, sort of place the uh, the sense of the field of of uh, sangsaric, uh, where it's all just, nothing really crystallizes, it's just activations into something where things begin to stabilize, which is the Dhamma fields, and, and you come from one in, into the other. If you move through in your process, you come from where it's all very discursive and me and her and this and that into something where it becomes oh this is agitation and ah and agitation needs uh, you know stabilizing steadying and then we cultivate parami to take us take us across often it's patience and equanimity and certain energy and clarity and veracity, truthfulness, um, these qualities, then you, you, you're you cultivating those and the cultivation of the parami is, um, you know, it's, it's got a main stream really in, in Buddhist culture because it's something that ideally you can do any time of day. You can always hit the patience button, well at least it's there and often needs to be so it's not just the meditation, but it's ongoing um, uh, training in one's life for honesty and, and renunciation. Just you know, set aside what isn't necessary. You know, so we just keep pruning, training, grooming. You know, and to to sort of crystallize and stabilize and and get to the point because the mind can so easily diffuse and this is where it becomes very susceptible to sangsaric currents where it just proliferates and cascades and nothing really crystallizes into something deeply meaningful mm. just scatters so this is the renunciation principle towards more towards unity banya discernment the ability to clearly discern, so sort of like so also differentiations. Maybe that's that, and that's you know, what is the real what is the real sense of that? So it, it's clarity, discernment, being able to to discern qualities, and particularly most important qualities that are uh, skillful, conducive to skill. Uh, uh, qualities that are unskillful and being able to separate and then qualities that lead to to stress and those which take one out the qualities that lead to accumulation of of um, 
the burden and those which tend towards the releasing of it. So, and then that which one has discerned as supportive, then this becomes something one begins to dwell in and deepen in and take time in. Uh, And for this we need a certain amount of the energy and gathering energy into what is supportive um, and then patience, just staying, 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 staying and letting it letting it ripen. It's a gestation uh, often is is so often needed and we tend to be a bit impatient, you know, next, next, next. Really this is so often these seeds as they're planted, they need, you know, holding carefully to allow them to gestate and ripen and, and move come into fruition of their uh, by themselves. Um, so such a truthfulness means one isn't just not telling lies but actually able to see truly. Yeah. So it's a certain uh, accuracy of perception. So one does discern clearly. Yeah. And then what one has discerned, one is able to, you know, get and even, you can say, uh, express, not necessarily out loud, but some way in which one is able to clearly see and get the sense of clearly knowing that. So this is very helpful because with this we begin to establish in us in our own process and practice yeah this i've known and it's established this i've sensed and so and these are gifts one give to oneself and it gives confidence and you know we we've made some marks on the trail that now we trust and we've expressed them to ourselves we know them and you've got them not just as ideas but really like in the in the heart and in the gut and eternal resolution you're just really holding it uh, resolve commitment staying with it aditana tana is a foundation and adi means a, a, a full or a deeper or a, a strong foundation so it makes a strong resolve onto what one has discerned as this actually is, is true. I have to hold this. I have to stay with this because it's true. It's not always convenient, but it happens to be true. <laughs> Therefore one holds that. Metta is the resonance of the heart. Um, the heart kind of waking and, and shaking off its its fearfulness or its closures and there's a certain nourishing um, energy there that uh, begins to radiate it with quality of well-being mm. so and then upeka is the quality of equanimity so this is a certain uh, continuing stabilizing of one's heart, like you've got a, uh, a a very deep keel and the heart is kept in the water, definitely, definitely sensitive, but actually it's got a 
strong keel to it so it doesn't tilt. It's sensitive, it can pick up, but it doesn't doesn't get swung around and moved. This is powerful uh, quality, which say in the storms of praise and blame and pain and pleasure and so on, it, it maintains its deep keel. We receive those felt experiences, sense them, know them, and yet there's something stabilizing so we're not swept off in the current. Mm. And you can see these some of these images and notions really represent the, what we call the sangsaric, where one is very much swept in, in the currents that come running through. And then the uh, practicing, where you're feeling those currents, but you're able to steer or maintain some ground or steady or whatever you need to navigate through that. Uh, and then uh, the result of this is that those discordant energies begin to settle and resolve and the field begins to empty of all this riptides and currents and becomes very steady. The process of that, um, here we have recitation. So the first of all, the parami is is, um, stated. Um, This indeed, itipi, this indeed is the dana parami, the quality of the parami of dana, sampano, fully, fully um, accomplished. So bhagawa, by the bhagawa. Bhagawa is is a word coming from the Pali root bhoga, which means like a a treasure or a fullness or, or a richness. And so a Bhagawa is a quality or a being who is very uh, spiritually rich and they have a sense of bestowing because of their of their richness of being. They, they're, they're bestowers. Um, so this is one epithet that's applied to the Buddha. And it's significant in this because this is what his treasures are. This is what he's rich with. So he can... Yeah. So it does give one a sense of what um, practice is going to bring around. It's going to be coming around uh, a kind of a, a, a an enrichment mm, of quality. Mm. It's internal, in, uh, internal spiritual qualities become grow and ripen and gestate into full form and richness. And then the nature is they will tend to then radiate or emanate. So then the three references, first of all the parami is stated, the upaparami means um, it's been uh, raised up, entered into, uh, so we might say it's been initiated, entered into, and fully engaged with, and the paramata means it's been completely fulfilled and, you know, it's, it's taken you it's it's carried across so it's it's completed um, to its highest welfare so you see a certain three stages if you like the initiation and the entering into and then the full fruition of that parami mm. and this is how we practice um, you know uh, without actually all of it any of these practices, we first of all kind of get the 
the sense and the idea of a spiritual quality, a spiritual potency. And then, okay, then we have to begin to um, really enter into it, fill it out, feel, feel, take it on, explore it. Mm-hmm. And then as it becomes fulfilled, then it, it, it eliminates um, hindrances, fetters and so forth. So that it's, you know, it, it takes us across out of that hindrance, uh, that contraction, that entanglement. Naturally, the process is one where there's a good amount of struggle, we could say. You know, you're both in, you definitely got the right idea, and you're definitely practicing with it, but still there's a lot of conflicting stuff that's tugging around, and you just hold and steady and keep staying in your potencies and your good dhammas deepening into it uh, and then until the energy shift and so this gives one a, another map of the process of practice And one's cultivation of um, mindfulness of body, mindfulness of breathing, just taking the time to really, you know, bring the body into true. So it's it's opened, it's uh, available. We've sensed it, the fullness of it, the entire form, both the obvious aspects. So we can sense our sitting position, uh, uh, back, chest, head, and they feel about, you know, steady and comfortable. And then, you know, so working around that, and then beginning to discard what you don't, what isn't needed, finding areas where there's a kind of holding in the face, around the lips or the eyes or the head, and is it possible just to yield a little there, soften, and through, you know, acknowledging uh, where there is some contraction and widening your attention around that to give it some room to unfold. And it's the patience because we only invite. 
we create uh, uh, an invitation. So the invitation, there's more room here if you'd like to take it. You don't push things, just create that invitation to hold the space, hold the clarity, stay with it, with a heart of goodwill, and allowing energies to uh, move, change, <coughs> with a sense of trust that things will probably, you will know what they're doing. And there's only, there's not so much we can really uh, have say over. But there is an innate interest in our body-mind. It is innately interested to uh, release itself. So we have to uh, trust it to, to do that if we create the right form and the right kind of invitation. So the inner process of the body is much more to do with uh, these uh, energies, um, stale places, stagnant places, uh, overactive places, places where it's seething and tumbling, places where it's tight, and you know, the whole, the unity or getting a, uh, around all of that, the wholeness of all of that, with a mind of goodwill and patience and trust, just allowing things to find their balance. Breathing is a great vehicle for this. Um, so it may be just the ending of the out-breath and the beginning of the in-breath or patches of it that come, come into play. And you take in every time you're sensing that, that's the vehicle and you can, as, you, as that breathing comes through, just inclining into it with the mind of goodwill or of patience or of steadiness. And then the quality of that mind state has an energy to it. And that will infuse the breathing energy. So the breathing is like the messenger that can carry the qualities of heart into the body. So let's be careful of the messages that we um, place with the breathing. If it's going to be, hurry up, get this done, we don't get to the next thing, then that's not a good message to be sending in to, to the body. And so sensing your body internally from where it does feel there is some openness and some fluidity, uh, something you feel is quite comfortable. And staying in that, letting that gestate. And then if it is, when it is seemingly has its own confidence, its own qualities, uh, and then if we can, how can that can widen or where it can move? And so these are healing energies moving 
through the body. Start in your belly and begin to run down through the legs, for example. Or it could come up into the diaphragm. And as it moves around, as it, it just always that sense of uh, patience and openness and invitation and allowing rather than trying to make it work. And just to uh, add a little more to that, because I may have um, made a wrong suggestion, it doesn't necessarily mean that the movement is in as you think it in terms of your anatomy. So the anatomical model is, well, there's my belly, my chest sits on top of that, there's my head stuck on top of that, so it must come along there. But that's not necessarily so. The energy can be there, and as you're... You know, as you feel more comfortable in your abdomen, you find your palms, if your hands are opening. So it's not quite the same geography. (laughs) You know, it could be that your feet open or something in your face relaxes. So it's not quite as as you'd imagine it uh, to to be in terms of... So you keep always this kind of quite wide awareness, picking up where in all of this is the the, the way about panya, discernment, where in all of this uh, do things begin to um, settle and how and make and um, proceed. We're open to anywhere because eventually it will all link up.
is helpful and one needs to be remind oneself is uh, uh, need for ground and mm. so, so this ground also acts uh, extends and becomes a center so I call it the upright axis it's a center line uh, it's the sense of something that has a uh, a deep keel, a gravity, which is not ponderous, but um, a rootedness. Mm. It's, it is central within the body's experience. But it does get lost or diffused. Or and so wherever you find that, it could be in your chest, could be in your belly, could be you know, somewhere, and to keep bear that in mind, because this acts like a, this helps to um, kind of orient the energies of the body as they unfold. We have to have a like a center that they can begin to. Um, uh, Almost orient around, otherwise things can spill out and, and not really um, finalize or complete themselves. So everything's complete, this center becomes stronger. And it is the line that the breath will breathing will travel along mm. primarily as it's its norm it will travel along that line and so this is called concentration or it's a the energies collect around a center and they begin more uh, um, composed mm. 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 